it's Jason Cunningham and welcome to Save My Business, Episode 3. The podcast aimed at helping small and medium-sized businesses navigate through this, what can I say, shitstorm. And today's guest is a bit of a rock star himself, to be honest with you. He's got, look, he's got a slight drinking problem, but other than that, this guy, he knows it all. Well, he doesn't profess to be anyway. He's a very humble uh, entrepreneur and a good client of the firm. His name is Christian Klein and he's the founder of Mr. Miyagi. Christian, welcome. Oh, thanks for having me. That's all right, pal. Mate, pretty pumped to have you here. Um, I must say, some of the stuff you've been doing the last three months has been, um, it's been quite exciting to watch and see it unfold. And I mean, overnight, some would say, you've become a success. Uh, <laughs> don't you love that when you've been working your ass yeah. off for so many years and then all of a sudden you're this overnight success? <laughs> Christian, I, I wanted you to share with um, our audience um, where the business is at now, if we can, and then I want to wind it all the way back and, and, and walk us through the story. Tell us a bit about Mr Miyagi, um, not only the food and the magnificent cuisine you guys dish up, but some of the collaborative things that you've been doing in recent times, pal. Yeah, um, well, been going for seven years or almost eight now, mm-hmm. um, and the corona thing hit and everyone frazzled and we thought, what are we going to do and are we going to shut? Is this the end of it? Um, hospitality is a, is a difficult um, low profit margin game in the first place and you get hit with something significant like this with a lot of unknowns. Um, all of a sudden we thought, what's going to happen? Um, but after the shock and the, and the sadness and the stress <laughs> and all this stuff, um, we very quickly moved into, all right, well, if this is going to happen and it is happening, how the hell are we going to get through it? Because mm-hmm. shutting up shop isn't really an option yes. for us. So um, just before you go, mm. Mr. Miyagi, the restaurant was is in South Arrow, is that correct? Yeah, we're in Chapel Street, Windsor. Yeah, right, okay. Yeah. So how long have you been in business in a, in a traditional uh, bricks and mortar restaurant? How long had you been doing that? Since 2013, uh-huh. November. So yeah. um, in the seven years, it's, it, it's taken us long that time to work out how to make the bricks and mortar restaurant work. Yeah. Um, and and we've only sort of just in the last few years really started to fine tune it to a point where we're like, hey, we've got it zinging, you know, we, yeah. we've, we've worked it out. We've, we, we've, we've got the economics of it worked out so that we can, so that we can run a, a successful, profitable business, um, you know, for the foreseeable future. Mm-hmm. But, um, Along yeah. come a little thing called Corona. Yeah. And we had a little, little uh, speed hump in the road. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we, we, we started thinking how are we going to do it? What are we going to do? What are our options? Mm-hmm. Um, we have, we've got five leases um, on different premises. We've got uh, a kitchen that does some of our bulk prep and we use for our catering and our catering events company. We've got the Chapel Street restaurant next door, the Chapel Street restaurant. We've got um, another, another lease that's actually connected to the Chapel Street restaurant now, but they're running on different leases. So I've got multiple landlords there. We've got... Um, that's nice and challenging. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> it. Right? Trying, to, trying to work with one is hard enough, Yeah, right. let alone five. We've got an office. We've got all sorts of stuff because we're geared up to, to, to try and expand and do more. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this thing's hit, so all of a sudden, oh, what are we going to do? We've got this place in, in Chatham Street in Paran around the corner that we originally ran as a takeaway in an Uber restaurant, mm-hmm. sort of dark kitchen. Mm-hmm. Dark um, kitchen, is it like the dark web? Or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sort of, when Uber's involved. Um, yeah, we ran, we're running this kitchen and um, 
it just wasn't really working for us. We, we, like a lot of people, really invested in the whole idea of Uber and doing takeaway um, food through these platforms. But the economics of it are, are, are really, really difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, so we thought, oh, let's reactivate that space and try and do it a bit consumer-facing and let's do a cook-at-home offering. And so within, within a day of the hospitality industry getting shut down, yeah. we had reopened that shop. Wow. We'd had videos shot for how to cook things at home. We'd had we'd done all sorts of stuff. And looking back on it now, compared to what's out there now, it's it's very average. But it started the process of, yeah. okay, let's work this and let's keep doing things that are going to be potentially successful. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, so we haven't stopped. There hasn't been a moment where we've had a week off or we've shut the doors or that the office hasn't been um, functioning there or at home, but that that the core sort of um, uh, day-to-day guys running the business, Mm. we haven't had any time off. So tell me this. So things are finally humming in the restaurant game, right? Mm. We've finally worked it out and you keep mentioning the economics of it all and I'm going to come back to that if I can. Mm. But you got your numbers right. You're starting to turn a bit of a profit. You're starting to make a bit of cash and declaring all of that on your best statement, no doubt about that. But you're starting to go really well, Christian, and then all of a sudden your world changes, the hospitality industry is shut down, and you take one day, you lose your mind for one day, and then bang, you're up and running again. I'd say we we lost our mind for an hour. And then it's really important for us and for me and the way that we do things. It's like some things you just can't help. Mm. So we can cry about it we can be upset about it we can crack it we can stomp our feet but you just you got to look forward you got to look positively and and we've we've we made a really a really serious effort to make sure that everything that we were doing mm-hmm. was like was positive so what was the first thing what was the first decision you went and, and reignited if you like that uh the micro business that was servicing the uh the, uh, the delivery platform business, yeah. is that right? Yeah, yeah. We'd, we'd cleared it out uh-huh. um, like two weeks beforehand. Yeah, right. We'd gone, oh, you know what, this Uber thing, it's not working, we're going to have to rethink it, what yeah. can we do? So we had this blank canvas down there, so we thought, oh. We, the restaurant was still able to, um, It was there was that awkward week where you could have people in the restaurant before they completely shut it out. Yeah. And so we, we'd reopened, we'd reopened that takeaway shop um, before that all shut down mm-hmm. and it went well we put we, we were on the today show we pushed some serious marketing we, we had the pr girls go nuts pushing this stuff out mm. like mr miyagi's pivoting you know it was such a buzzword <laughs> yeah mr miyagi's pivoting we're pivoting we're doing this we're doing that and and <laughs> it was a bit exciting because it was we had to reopen and come up with this new concept in a week mm. um anyway it didn't work yeah. so <laughs> That's the moral of the story. Um, but I think it set the precedent for us that, like, we just got to keep trying stuff. But we were pivoting. Yeah, it was a great pivot. We were spinning on the spot. It looked like a ballerina. It was brilliant. But but we just had to – it was it – was, we, we, we got to keep going. We got to keep doing stuff. And yeah. we watched other, other restaurants in the street. And they just shut and they went, oh, we're going to see what happens. Mm. And I don't know. I just, I just was against that sort of – Yeah. Um, Mindset. Yeah. Let's, how how are we going to do it? Oh, that didn't work. Sweet. How are we going to fix it? How are we going to change it? How so, what was what was idea number two? Um, idea number two. We 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 then shut that shop again. Yeah. Um, Here we are. After all setting over it up for a week. Yeah. yeah. And we moved what we we're doing back to the restaurant because yeah. the Chapel Street frontage is is helpful. And we get foot traffic and car traffic and mm. whatnot. So, um, 
we reignited that and we put our cook at home offerings in there and then we started doing takeaway and yeah. uh, that was the start of something that I've always been so against because I'm I'm massive on experiences mm. and I feel like takeaway can be such a negative experience mm. with some things that are almost out of your control a lot of the time. Right. Now, now I'm really keen on that. Now, that, that sort of explains a lot to me, Christian, that whole experience piece because yeah. then I, I might be jumping a few steps ahead, but along come the whole co- collab or collaboration experience and that's where things started to really pop up in, in my radar yeah. with some of the things you were doing with other restaurants or other takeaway houses. Is that is that why that was born? Because you're big on the experience piece and that whole date night and all that sort of stuff that you guys are doing? Well, sort of. The the, the takeaway stuff was going really well. Mm-hmm. And, and for the first time, we started pushing like a digital marketing strategy um, beyond our organic social media stuff. So we engaged a social media company, Social Status, and they started pushing paid ads out, targeted ads out to people in the vicinity saying, Mr. Miyagi's doing takeaway, Mr. Miyagi's doing takeaway. Yeah. And um, it worked. It worked really, really well. Yeah. And we were absolutely heaving. We, yeah. we were doing crazy numbers, especially on Friday and Saturday nights. Mm. Um, but we had to turn our restaurant from this... I always talk about Mr. Miyagi as being... Um, it's not a place where you go and get good food. It's it's a place where you go and you have a great night. Yeah. And we're, we're, we focus ju- more on the experience than we do on the food. It just yeah. so happens we've got this incredible chef and he makes incredible food. So yeah. it's the cherry on top of of how we see the, the restaurant going. But mm-hmm. we, we like it to be a really great place. Mm-hmm. And when you have that taken away from you, you're like, oh. And that's what I mean by the experience thing. Yeah. We, we provide a fun a fun night mm. and now because well, you're a bit of a fun time guy as well <laughs> <laughs> so i'm told um so yeah we, we i don't know we just we it, it didn't um it, it was very it's very difficult to translate experience into takeaway yeah so what we found after a relatively short period of time is that the Windsor locals who had been so fantastic to us and so helpful and the whole help um, support local message and they were brilliant, but the sales just started decreasing. And I guess if you think about it, we were pushing the same message to the same people every day of the week. Mm. And so we say, hey, hey, Jason, I I know you're... uh, you know, your your dinner was pretty good on Thursday. You you, you want to get on Friday, right? <laughs> and 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 you and go. And after nah. a while, I'm having dumplings for breakfast. Yeah, I, mean, but, I might try something different. <laughs> exactly right. So so we're pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing, and then all of a sudden you go, oh, you know what? Not mm. only do I not want to eat Miyagi tonight because mm. I've had it three times in the last two weeks, mm. I'm also sick of seeing their shit. Yeah, <laughs> right. I don't want the ad on my Instagram anymore. I'm done. Like, yeah. get me away from Yagi. Yeah, yeah. Brutally honest, mate. Brutally yeah. honest. And, and so we, we started seeing this decrease in sales. Mm. So we thought, oh, what are we going to do now? You know, we, we looked like we were going to be okay. And now now the sales are coming down. And that was still very sustainable and, and good. But we were seeing a decrease, which is not the trend you want. Um, so the idea came around of we, people can't come to us because they won't travel. Mm. Most people won't travel further than their local main strip yep. to get takeaway. Yeah. If you go and order a pizza, you're not getting it from the next suburb. Even though it's only five minutes down the road, mm. you're just if it's not right there, you won't get it. It's like this mental block that we've got. Um, so we thought, why don't we, we could take our food to them? 
Mm. How are we going to do that? And um, we flirted with the ideas of food trucks or how are we going to get, um, how are we going to set this up so that we can do any volume of food that actually works for us? And then a really close friend of mine, Harry, has a couple of cafes in uh, Cheltenham and Murrumbina. And I called Harry and I said, hey, you're not using your kitchen at night. Could we come in and cook in it? <laughs> and he said, oh, he, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I said, he's a friend. So I said, we'll look after it. We'll take care of it. Like, come in. We're just trying to work out what's happening. But if you wouldn't be against doing that, we could work out a way that works for everyone. And, and we thought about the positives, like what a great community feel. We can go mm. out to we can go out to the Burbs yeah. and we can partner with cafes that have um, a, a great, uh, you know, social standing in their yeah. community and we go with the good ones and we go to the good guys and um, we ended up sort of structuring this thing that they will make the dessert and we pass on all the revenue from the dessert from the customer to uh -huh. them uh -huh. and we come in and do the rest. Yeah. So we started off small and we went out to Frank's and it went nuts and it sold out in like an hour. Wow. And we went, oh my goodness, like what's happening? This yeah. is this is an interesting idea. Yeah. And um, yeah, it sold out and then then we planned another one and then another one and as we got more confident and more efficient and um, we increased the numbers and increased the mm. numbers and um, now we've done 40-something events. Wow. Um, and uh, we've met so many amazing people and yeah. and because uh, I know you've done one I, I live I know you guys are over in South Tower Turak Windsor I, yeah. I live in the Turak of the north yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I live in Essendon and yeah. I and I saw you did one I think it was at assembly ground I think you did one at um, Ascot Food House yeah. or yeah, whatever we've done two at assembly ground yeah yeah, um, yeah and we've done we've done two at Ascot yeah yeah um, and they're great yeah. they're great and, and as we every time we do one we f we refine our systems a bit better mm. and we make it a bit more efficient and we make it a bit more we, you know we we make it a bit more customer focused and how do we provide experience during pickup and yeah um cuz i just keep working at it i reckon i saw on a social media post it said something like date night with assembly ground or something like that is that yeah, right? yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. cuz you know if there's one thing i've heard over the last sort of uh, four, five, maybe six months is this whole shouldering the load and, you know, I'm sick of government slogans that we're all in this together and all that crap. But business owners and business owners are talking to each other about, hey, look, we've both got to take a hit here. We've both got to take a haircut here. Yeah. How can we help each other survive? And you've really sort of lent on that whole collaborative piece mm. around working with other business owners. And I guess what I've really enjoyed listening to um, is your humility around, hey, if we've Stuffed it up. I nearly dropped one of those French words there, Christian. <laughs> uh, look, if we stuff it up, we stuff it up. Mm. Let's wipe the slate clean and let's start again. And and you haven't got too far ahead of yourself to understand that, hey, my existing clientele, those loyal customers that have loved the experience over in Windsor, there's only so much of the experience they're going to love. Yeah. And so let's let's take this to the people. Um, and if they love it over here, I'm sure they're going to love it in the north, the south, the east and the west. And that I think that's you know, quite humble and and quite smart. Now, can I ask you this question? Mm. When the the, uh, the corona uh, first hit and we were locked out of our businesses, um, you did this really quick turnaround. Mm. And I said it was in a day and you said, oh, Jay, it's probably more like an hour. <laughs> um, where does that come from? I mean, a lot of people, uh, 
take a fair bit longer to, you know, pick up their toys and or pull up their, put their big boy pants on and, and get going. How come you were so quick to just say, well, this is outside of my control. I got to do something. I'm not going to, I'm not going to put my, you know, lay down and, and give up. Where, where do you think that comes from? Well, it's definitely a, a trait that's that come from my dad. Yeah, right. Very, <clears throat> he was in market research. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess his whole career and his whole business was based around listening to problems and finding the good and finding the solutions. Yeah. That was, you know, the, you'd have someone come and say, hey, what's wrong with my product? Mm. And, and his, his, his whole world was based around, well, these are the problems with your product. Mm. But this is what you can do to fix it. Yeah. I, you know what? I love that notion of not just here's the, pro, here's the problem yeah. and then also present a proposed solution to yeah. help you get to that. So were you having conversations over the dinner table after school and all that sort of stuff? Or? Yeah, totally. Yeah. And, and there, was, there was one thing that, that he always instilled in me mm. that is something that I live by mm. and it relates because it, he'd always say it, it doesn't matter what's happened or what you've done, it's what you do to fix it. Yeah, right. And you, you can make the biggest mistake and you can cock everything up. Mm. But if you apologize, <laughs> right, a lot of the time someone goes, oh, geez, made a big mistake, but good bloke. Yeah, Fix yeah. that. Yeah, right. And, and, and I, I really, I live by that of yeah. like, we can ha- make, give the customer the worst experience of all time yes. and they hate our guts. Yeah. And sometimes it happens. Yeah. And, and it's not because... It's not because we've done the wrong thing, or sometimes just oh, it just shit happens, yeah, right? Yeah, and, yeah. and it sucks, but yeah. we make sure that you fix it. Because yeah. if you fix it, then the, then the person goes, oh, listen, they, they but you know what? Yeah. They sorted it out, and now I have more respect for them than I did before. That's right, because they owned their mistake, right? So, yeah. so tell me this, Christian: How do you instill that mentality within your team? Because I'm tipping, and I don't know all your team, but I'm tipping not everyone rolls into work with that positive Christian Klein attitude that, oh, well, let's find the freaking good in everything. <laughs> how, do you, how do you lead a team like that? Oh, I think it's just you just got to lead by example. Mm. And the guys, our guys, are, we all work so well as a team and we all, mm. if anyone doesn't have that mentality, yeah. if someone mm. starts saying no, I don't mind the word no, but it needs to be followed up with, but what about if we try this? Yeah, yeah. And then, and then, and then, then you've got a, a moving conversation. Mm. I, don't say that something's a crap idea if you don't have a better one. Yeah, because that's not workshopping. So we just push that. We we have these roundtable conversations, and they end up with a lot of people very cranky a lot of the time. People <laughs> get feel like they're not heard or they're you know. And and we go through this process, and, and in the end, we come up with something amazing that or we think is amazing. Yeah. Um, until someone presents a, a better idea. And that's right, until there's a better idea or until it doesn't work. And then yeah. we all pat each other on the back and go, oh, well, you know, we gave it a go. Sounds like there's no place for egos in your organisation um, because some often what will happen is, you know, the, you know, the biggest swinging uh, proverbial walk in the room and say, this is my idea and this is awesome yeah. and really, you know, uh, you know, sing its praises. Uh, and sometimes if that idea is, you know, trumped with a better idea, mm. You know, you, you might find that people are trying to go at each other, but in your organisation, it sounds like it's pretty free and it, there's no room for the ego. Yeah, I, I, that 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 does happen, and yeah. the people get offended that someone's disagreeing with their idea, or but but we just we work through it. Yeah, okay. We work through it, and I, I'm I'm big on um, I'm big on I hate anyone saying like they're 
my staff or they work for me because I think that I don't, that's not the way that we operate. Yeah. It's we, it's us. Yeah, if we do it together, it's not. Yeah, you know, it's. This is one of the reasons why I I often try to draw correlations from elite sporting clubs and elite sporting teams, and that with the, the small business or the medium sized business owner because I think if you have that view, that whole inclusive we. Mm. Um, and if we play together as a team, mm. we each play a different role and sometimes we give each other a chop out. And I, you know, I've loved and, and, and followed uh, footy ever since I was six years old, I guess. And so for over 40 years, and I know you're thinking, GJ, you only look 28. But uh, uh, <laughs> no, I, look, I don't take myself too seriously just on that. But look, the, the, the sporting team, you know, you, you've got one centre-half back and you've got some back flankers and a full back and you've got you go in the rack and in the midfield and the forwards. But often a forward might have to defend and a, and a defender might have to play forward and we work together as a team and, and we collaborate. And it, I think in business, there's no place for staff. There's no place for I'm the boss. It's, mm. well, let's all play our role and roll our sleeves up and no one is too good to do anything. You know what I mean? Oh, that's not my job. That's her job or that's his job. And I think the other thing, um, Christian, if I, if I can, what I've really enjoyed so far about our conversation is that there's a saying, you know, it's easy to be high-fiving each other in, when times are good. The sign of true leadership is when the shits hit the fan and, and things aren't going too well. And, you know, I, I really can detect that, that that trait really exists strongly in you. Mm. Um, prior to getting into Mr Miyagi, uh, and you don't look like the traditional Japanese chef, if I can just say that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> sorry, mate, I'm just taking the piss a bit. Um, it's because I'm tall, right? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's the whole height thing and, and the light hair, right? <laughs> um, Tell me, um, you were uh, in the shoe business. Yeah. Yeah, tell me about that experience. Yeah. Um, I, I always had it in the back of my mind when I was sort of 18, 19, 20, mm-hmm. I was working at a pub and um, I, I had this idea of these plastic shoes that used to be around when I was a kid and there's heaps of baby photos of me wearing them. And, yeah. Um, they, were, they were very commonplace. Everyone had a pair of jelly shoes. And or jelly sandals, and and um, we, I couldn't find them. I tried to buy a pair from my sister because I thought it was it'd be a bit of a funny gag. Yeah, and nostalgic um, sort of present yeah, from your childhood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. and anyway, you couldn't buy them anywhere. They they, as far as I could tell, they didn't exist anywhere in the world anymore. Um, the company that used to produce them in Europe didn't exist, and no one had picked up on it. So, um, yeah, I just went about slowly and. Had them found some found a factory in China that had the molds tucked away somewhere, and um, yeah, we started we started producing them. And was that just uh, online, or was it uh, online and uh, physical shop front? Or it started off just online. Yep, it was very much. It was, <laughs> for anyone that knows anything about sort of ecom, we were we were on Shopify before it integrated with anything. Right. And now Shopify will integrate with absolutely everything. Yeah. And we actually left Shopify because it didn't, it didn't, it didn't integrate with anything. It was useless to us. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's like it's old. It was 2011, yeah. and and we had a crack at this e-commerce thing, and, and it went really well. We had two years of just of craziness. Mm. Um, we we were overseas. Um, we were negotiating with. A Canadian, a Canadian distributor, a US distributor. Mm-hmm. Um, we did all this stuff. It went crazy here. We, we sold a couple of hundred thousand pairs of shoes in Australia. Wow. Um, and yeah, it was good. But what it was a big lesson because 
very quickly other shoe companies, big established companies that weren't people 21 years old, mm. um, they decided making them too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whoops. <laughs> and, and very quickly, very quickly, they were everywhere in every shoe shop yeah. and um, it all sort of fell apart for us. Yeah. So it, it was, there was a lot of learning in that. Your first foray into business started off really well and you got your backside handed to you. Yeah. I, you know, I, I read a pretty cool book um, uh, on a business called Zappos by Tony mm. Shea. Um, yep. I think it's called Delivering Happiness. And yep. it, it, it talks about the experience in a, an e-commerce business and an online business and talking about the experience. Actually quite a good book. And, mm. uh, you know, a lot of the things that you're saying to me right now, both at Mr. Miyagi and with your jelly bean shoe business, sort of are resonating and make, take me back to that to that book. So, so then you go from manufacturing and subsequently importing the jelly shoe from China, uh, make some good brass along the journey, and then you get your backside handed mm. to you. I'm tipping in typical Christian client style. You dust yourself off in what seven minutes. <laughs> how did how did you go from that into a Japanese restaurant? Well, when things. Um was still going okay yeah. in the shoes. That's when the concept for the for the restaurant came around. Because mm, you didn't have enough on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and initially I was just going to be the silent sort of partner on it. You sound like a silent bloke. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> a very quiet guy. And and Andy, my business partner, who's still my business partner now, um, he was going to do the day to day stuff. And then we had some people help us open and some consultants and whatever. And and. Realistically, no idea what I'm doing, right? <laughs> and neither of us did really. Mm. But I think that's part of the part of the reason that we did okay because we were a bit different. We yeah. didn't follow the traditional, you got you know, pour your wine from the right or your left or yeah. clear from the left. Or I don't even know what the rules are. <laughs> I don't know. You we just, just go. We just go. Listen, there's someone sitting at there's someone sitting at table three hundred one, and they've got dirty plates in front of them. Go and get them. Get them quick. <laughs> Take them from the left, the right, the front, the back. I don't care. Let's let's make sure that those those plates are gone. Yeah. Um, and we struggled with uh, staff at the very start because some of our guys and girls were very traditionally hospitality trained, and so they were sort of like, "Who are these two idiots? Mm. Why are they? They don't know what they're doing. Mm. These guys got no idea." Mm. But that was. That was the idea. <laughs> but, but, but it also sounds to me you may have had no idea um, about uh, cooking Japanese cuisine and how, whether you take the plate from the left or the right or whatever. But I, I get this sense, and it's a quite a strong sense, that you know what the customer experience should be like because, let's face it, you have been a customer in a restaurant before. Yeah. And so it sounds to me, uh, and without repeating what you've said, but the customer experience is a big thing for you. Mm. Yeah, that, that, that was... The bulk of the meetings we had when setting it up was if I'm a customer, what, what do I want? And what was it that you wanted? Uh, we, we implemented all, the, all of these things. Like why does a, a, a waiter customer experience, why is it so stiff? Mm. Why is it always stiff? Why does someone stand there in a, in a shirt and an apron and with a notepad and like that, what I don't get it. Mm. Right? We should we should have awesome people who work with us that will sit down and have a have a chat. Mm -hmm. And um, we had uh, four staff sitting down at the tables with the customers when there's a spare seat yeah, and right. having a chat about the menu and yeah. just making it super informal. And had you been at a restaurant like that or overseas somewhere like that? That you or this just idea came to you from the meals that your parents were serving you when you were kids? Tell me, where did this come from? 
Yeah, probably not. I, it's, it's an interesting question because I, I can't say an experience that I've had that was super, super casual. Yeah. It, it was, yeah, the formality of it was not attractive to us of, mm-hmm. of, of the traditional way that things were done. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Yeah, we just we just made things super casual, and we made sure that all of all of the all of the guys on the, the girls on the floor were were talkative, and we made sure we hired people who were going to fit the profile mm. of being like an awesome person that you want to hang out with. Yeah, but they have to go now because they're going to put your order through. Yeah, and and that's that was the mentality, and 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 it. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it went all right. You know what I find cool about this? If someone jumped into this podcast, say just five minutes ago. Mm. And they're hearing from a, a doyen, if you don't mind me saying, a doyen of the industry uh, in the restaurant game who's pivoted their business. And no, really, uh, I'm taking the piss. But, you know, someone who's very well respected in this industry uh, who's got a very successful business. If they jumped in five minutes ago, they would have heard, this is the roadmap of setting up a successful hospitality business. Have no frigging idea what you're doing. <laughs> right? N- have never done it before. Um, not be a chef and make as many... Oh, oh, there we go. And make as many... Fire tracking mistakes as possible. Yeah. <laughs> That's the advice that we've given. But you no, know, it's pretty cool because I think what you're about, Christian, is you're about being different, right? And 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 not and and celebrating the difference or celebrating the diversity and saying let's not conform to the norm. Let's work out actually what is it that the customer really wants, right? Try and find that experience. If we get the experience wrong, let's just change it, mm. right? It's okay to be wrong. It's okay to make a mistake. If I'm going to make a mistake, let's make it real quick and let's work out what works. You're very much an inclusive decision maker within your organisation and you, you workshop, this term workshopping has been thrown around a fair few times and let's workshop the idea. Let's try our very best to leave our egos at the door and the best idea, let's run with that and away we go and let's operate as a team. Yeah. And I, I think those lessons are applicable across the board, not just in the hospital industry but across many industries. If you can really you know, pivot or circle around the customer and that customer experience and just be dead set focused on who do you serve and how do you serve them, more often than not, the rest looks after itself. Mm. So going through life um, and, you know, you and I have had a number of conversations over the last four weeks to try and lock this in and, you you, you know, you're busier than Ben-Hur, there's no doubt about it. But um, it's always been a joy having a conversation with nothing seems to stress you out, I, I get the impression. And in three weeks' time, you're going to be a father for the first time, huh? Are you going to fit that up one in, big boy? Yeah, I don't know about that one. I haven't worked that out yet. <laughs> first child? Yeah. In Australia, there's a couple over. Yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah, I'm yeah. only joking. <laughs> Just smugging around with you there. Um, what does the future hold for Christian Klein, Mr Miyagi? Where do you, where do you see it going? Well, the situation that we're in now mm-hmm. has, has allowed us to really test some stuff out right and yeah. and and it's allowed us to also test our brand it's to test our brand we've gone from being the shop in windsor that is just a shop in windsor yeah to going out to the suburbs going out to the wider melbourne and seeing if we have any brand credibility out there mm. and it, it seems from our preliminary testing yeah that that we do so mm. um how do you pick the suburbs that you go to we started off just going randomly to Cheltenham, yeah, with with Harry, and so we didn't really pick that one. We just had we just had Harry, and you knew a bloke who had, knew a, cafe. A, bloke had a cafe, right, yeah. and, and a great cafe, yeah, um, Frank's, and we we went out there and we did the pop up, and it went incredibly well. 
we did a few more and they didn't go as well. So we started thinking, okay, how are we going to profile a suburb and why it works? Mm -hmm. And we, we're making it all up, but we sort of, we sort of look at an area like Cheltenham where we go, they're our people because they all lived in, in Windsor and Paran and South Yarra five, six, seven years ago. And now they've, wanted to buy a house with a backyard and start the family. So we've got so many people who were our customers seven years ago who are now living a little bit out of the hustle and bustle of Windsor or the city Mm. or whatnot and have gone out to to the burbs. And so we sort of, we looked at what what suburbs have been like young family growth suburbs Mm. Um, and they tend to be the ones that have, that have right. the best route. Okay, so where I live, Essendon, is a young family growth suburb. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. so what's the deal that you do, and without going into the intricacies, mm. but you know, you spoke with uh, your mate Harry, who's got uh, Frank's. You said, look, you can have um, all the revenue from the desserts. Did you do something similar with you know Assembly Ground and Ascot Food Store and these guys? It's all it's, it's the same way it works. Yeah. But, but we changed our offering to guarantee dessert sales. Because what what was happening is we'd go out and use someone's kitchen and then they'd put together a dessert that didn't sell as well as mm. the previous cafe. So mm. we'd say, we'd send some guidelines about, oh, this works and this works. And then mm. for some reason, whatever, that dessert just didn't work so well. So we had the problem where we were using, we were going out to use the cafe's kitchen and they weren't getting that much in, in return. Mm-hmm. So everything's now, we've guaranteed minimum spends on everything, that yeah. everything includes a dessert. Yeah. So, so everyone wins. Everyone wins. Yeah, everyone yeah. Win. And, and we, get to, we get to connect with their local community. Yeah. They get to have an event going on in, yeah. in, their, in their, with their community that yeah. they love as well. It's, yeah. it's, it's been a really fun, a really fun experience and yeah. like a great branding experience, but it's just been nice. It's got community feel. Oh, it, yeah, it definitely has community feel, I can tell you that, just experiencing it myself. I think the other thing too is sure you're getting brand awareness um, in various different suburbs, but the cafes and the restaurants that you're tapping into and utilising their kitchens, they're also getting brand awareness by matching their brand with your brand, mm-hmm. um, and I think that's really good. Now, look, I hate to talk like an accountant, but you know I am a CPA, car parking attendant. No, yeah. I'm a certified <laughs> practicing accountant, and, and you know we often talk about the numbers. Funny that you mentioned a couple of times about the economics. Tell me about your experience and. And, and how often you are looking at the numbers and when you know what works and what doesn't work, what do you look for, you know, on a scorecard or an indicator to help you know how well you're going? Well, it's a... Was that a sigh there, Christian? <laughs> yeah, because it's, it's a complicated question because yeah. when, every time we change something, the, the percentages of what the goal are mm. within that amount change. Yeah, right. So in the traditional restaurant, you know, if we end up with a 10%... Um, margin at the end of the year that's fantastic yeah um and but that, that's that's tiny that that's uh-huh. also a difficult a difficult number to reach sometimes and um so we're dealing with tiny margins but when you when we go to a a, a takeaway model mm-hmm. then the margins on the actual food and the experience are way better because you don't have floor staff you don't have you don't have people um you know uh having to take your order because mm-hmm. it's all sort of a bit more automated but um, at the same time, we've then got four other leases that we're paying rent on. Yeah. So you can you can individualize things that are working well and that are profitable or mm. not profitable. But at the moment, we've got to look at things from a whole business perspective. Yeah. So 
that's that's the challenge. That's yeah. the challenge in finding things that are profitable or not. Because mm. you can you can exclude the rent on that building because mm. you're not using it right now. But mm. you know what? Still you're paying still it. Still paying it. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, um, I want to get uh, talk a bit about how nimble you are uh, as as a business owner and how you manage to change and, and look at the offerings and all that sort of stuff. And we have touched on that a little bit. But before I do that, um, I, I want to talk about this this concept. It's not mine. It's been around for over 30 years, which talks to the balance scorecard. And the balance scorecard is is a way of looking at your organisation through the four key pillars, which are your people, the processes, the customers that uh, ex- experience your offering and your financials. I want to talk a little bit about your people. Um, it sounds like uh, you are a, a very much a people person. You spoke about uh, having uh, people working in hospitality that may be not as rigid as some that have had experience in that industry for a, a long time. How do you source your people and how do you keep them engaged in what it is that you do? How do you include them in the decision-making? Just tell me a little bit about that and, and how you guys operate at Miyagi. Yeah, you've, you've, uh, sourcing them is, a, is an interesting thing. We have a business that we try to run it at least like a restaurant as possible. You're right. And we run it like a, it's like a, like a corporate office, yeah. how we do things. And um, something that we really struggle with is finding these, finding great people who want to work, who, who, who are maybe corporate people, their brains, they're, they're fantastic, who have, have a, an issue with working in hospitality because it seems like they're such different worlds when they're not really. And we, we struggle to, to get somebody who might be working in a big big consultancy in the city who would be perfect for us and might get the same salary and, and the same everything, but they're, oh, I'm not gonna, just going to go and work at a restaurant. Mm. Um, so finding great people is, is a real challenge, but it's really important that once we get great people that they hang around. How do you and, do that? How do you hold on to them? Um, that's, a, that's a tough one. I don't know, but we do. Yeah, yeah. Well, there must be something. <laughs> there must be something in the secret sauce there. Yeah. I mean, what do you create an environment that allows... I get the impression that one of the things that you guys do is you create this environment that allows people to be the very best that they can be. And you, you talk about the collaborative discussions that you're having with your team. I think there seems to be a lot of synergy in your organisation. And once people buy into the culture at Miyagi, they seem to stick around. It's the impression that I get. Yeah, I guess, I guess it, is, it, is, it is very much a team environment mm-hmm. and everyone's opinion is valued and everyone gets a say on, on, on everything. We frequently ask everyone in the business from you know, the people, from the general manager down to you know, people doing in, people who have been with us for a short period of time, washing dishes, yeah. how can we help things? You got any, any ideas? Because we'll take them from everywhere yeah. and, and they're all important to us. What somebody might see in, in the dish pit mm. We might not see in the office, mm-hmm. but it's it's great to hear if there are improvements that can be made yeah. across the whole business. So I don't know. It's probably an important thing that that we just make sure that everybody everybody's heard and everyone has a, a platform to be able to share what they think will work or or what won't. Or you know, a lot of the time, it's 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 not any use at all. But sometimes <laughs> you get a little nugget of gold yeah. and, and you can act on it. Before we finish up. And, and, and the last question I'll leave you with, so I'm going to let you ponder this as I ask the question before it, but I really want to finish it up on um, maybe three 
two or three takeaways that you could share with our listeners as to what you think are important for you uh, on your journey towards success. But before I get to that, so I'm just giving you that as just that's my gift, right? right? So you think about it. No, no, you're welcome. Uh, <laughs> sure, I've taken an hour of your time. No, no, uh, no. My, I wrote a book a few years ago, uh, which is called Have Your Cake and Sell It To, The Seven Key Ingredients to Business Success. And the book there is built on the notion uh, that in my mind's eye, every business owner should get, begin a business with the end in mind, and that is to build a business ready for sale. Yeah. Uh, what does the future look like for your organisation, your vision? Are you one day hoping to sell that business? Will you, will you want to keep it? Will you just shut it down? What does it look like in the next three to five years for you guys? Or you may not even know. Yeah. Um, I also feel like you should sell a business when you've reached the, 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 the maximum level that you can take it to. Yeah. In, the, in a reasonable time frame. Yeah. Right? And I don't think we're there. Yeah, right. So I think there's, there's, there's so many ideas to get thrown around our office daily, especially mm. during this time when mm. every single idea is more important than it's ever been. Yeah. And other things that we could be doing and we will be doing that are that don't don't give me any aspirational end date. It's just we we'll keep going for now. That sounds cool to me. Now, as we finish up, Christian, can you share with me what are your two or three key takeaways that some knowledge or something, some experiences that you could share with our listeners that might be beneficial for them in their business? What would you say are the top three important things, the secret ingredient? There was a guy that I used to work for when I was doing some event stuff years ago and we had an event that the date fell on Christmas Eve and we said, oh, well, we'll just shut that night because Christmas Eve, no, no one's going to go out. No one's going to go out partying on Christmas Eve. Mm -hmm. And we said, it's going to be too hard, so we'll just shut. And he said, and it stuck with me forever, he said, well, where's everyone going? I said, well, they'll probably just stay home. He goes, hang on. So you're telling me that everyone does this every once a week, every week, but on this night they're not going to go, which they won't, right? And I said, no. He says, well, it's your job to get to dangle the carrot to get them to come. That's your whole job. You can't just not do it. Yeah. And I always think about that because it yeah, difficult night to run an event on Christmas mm. Eve. Impossible. But his mentality was, well, the people are still there. It's you as the marketer have got to work out how to get them to come. <laughs> right? That's not my problem. You yeah. you make it work. Yeah. And um that's that's sort of the way I look at things, because we've got people are there, mm. people are eating, mm. people are drinking, people are, are going about their business. How do you become the one that they go to for that. Yeah, awesome, mate. There yeah. are, there, the clientele doesn't just disappear. They might move on to something else, but it's your job to keep them, keep providing something that interests them. Yeah, that's, that's some pretty profound so, advice there, pal. Hey, um, Christian Klein from Mr. Miyagi. Um, I've got to tell you, Mr. Miyagi sounds like a cool place to work. Correct me if I'm wrong. It sounds like a really cool place. I, I really was thinking about, you know, when you were saying those guys in corporate, I was thinking, shit, can I get a job there? <laughs> No, it sounds like a cool... We can bring our accounts in-house. Yeah. Right? <laughs> uh, what's he doing? Uh, he's our accountant. He's smacking down a few... Uh, uh, yeah, so look, it sounds like a cool place to work. I've, I've tasted the food. It's magnificent. I, I implore everybody to look out for when you're in our area or in your area. Um, 
Christian Klein, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for your humility and your fun and for sharing everything. Mate, really appreciate it. Great. Thanks very much.